Welcome to the journey with Mpo Podcast, a sacred space for healing, love, and rediscovering your life purpose. Introducing your host, Mpo. blessed to have you spend some time with us. It is always a joyous celebration when we tap into the collective consciousness. In the studio with us today is yet another phenomenal human, insanely gifted poet, soul sister, friend, and earth guardian. Poet Easy is also known as Easy. She is first-generation Filipino-American artist, born and poetically conceived in Southwest Florida in Tocobaga land, now also known as Tampa Bay. Spiritually woke women and gentlemen, we give to you the gift of poetry. A eulogy to the days I could not get out of bed. I will honor you in the silences, in the spaces between, where I have replaced idleness with intention, and I will take each breath with reverence. Fill my lungs from the bottom up with the same grace that built me from the bottom up remember that it is breathing fully that taught me how to live fully. Remember that each full breath I take makes space for my spirit to explore one step further into boundlessness. Remember that it is breath that gives me life and this life was given to me by God so it is this breath that is my God. There was a time when she was caged by brittle ribs and a padlocked heart, but the morning sun melted the bars. How breathtaking. The way she summoned her own dawn unto the underworld without ever moving her lips. How she broke out her chains without breaking anything at all, hands still soft and saggy, like wisdom, like the waters found the path of least resistance in the valleys between the ridges of her palms. How gentle her riot be, how delicate a revolution with such ease has her stillness quelled the raging rivers in her veins. How Playfully, does she chase after that runaway heartbeat, taking off after that runaway mind? Funny how riding breath makes like walking on water, and all the waters make sweet and round like wine until even her breath becomes intoxicating. This poem is a eulogy, but mourn we will not because we are celebrating 
a new chapter, my fourth baptism, the wisdom of the water ringing my spine into a river, the hydroelectric of this hustle. Before I leave my bed each morning, I breathe. Sometimes 20 minutes and sometimes five. But I've noticed that the longer I take, the clearer my mind and the clearer my mind the more I seem to bend and stretch time in my favor with less labor. And I ain't even need no savior because I implemented changed behavior, none of which would be possible without the influence of my demons. So I breathe. To honor the legacy of long ass nights and longer mornings, avoiding responsibility for writing my own story, and I exhale, which is to say, to God be the glory. Oh my goodness. Welcome to the show, and thank you so much for making the time to be here. What the... <laughs> Thank you for blessing us with your time. I am, words cannot begin to express how excited I am to have you here. So many questions, so many answers, so much contemplating and thinking. Let's start from the top. The power of breath. How and when did you discover that? discovered the power of breath. I think gradually over time, I didn't fully grasp its power until I found poetry. Mm -hmm. I found breathing exercises and um, a new conceptualization of what my personal god figure looked and felt like around the age of 12 mm -hmm. but it wasn't until the age of 17 when mm -hmm. i found poetry that i really realized how much power my breath had and it's still an ongoing relationship a budding relationship and mm -hmm. this poem was definitely like a milestone in that relationship so I don't know, maybe I discovered it when I first came out the womb, when I left the amniotic sac, Yeah. you know what I mean? And it's always been there mm -hmm. with me. It's just my understanding of it is what's evolving, really. The relationship has always existed. It's as infinite and ancient as all things in all time mm -hmm. are. Because as a child, you don't think about breathing. It just kind of happens. Exactly. Freely. Pretty much what you're taught, like, in breathing exercises or in mindfulness exercises or even in like just physical exercise is to belly breathe to diaphragmatic uh they call it diaphragmatic baby breathing mm -hmm. so you're basically retraining your body to breathe the way that you used to breathe when you were like an infant the most natural fullest expression of the human essence or of human breathing um but we tend to like hold a lot of tension in our guts okay and then like as we get older that whole area starts to kind of clench and tighten and then we start to trap our breath like in our chest mm -hmm. and it becomes very shallow mm -hmm. 
I'm thinking about it now. I think that's the easiest part of meditation for me, freeing up the breath, because I can, I'm always aware of where the blockages are, where I'm not breathing fully and allowing my body to let go. And the minute I start to fall into like deep meditation, I can feel parts of my body relax, like my legs, my hands, my neck starts to loosen up and it's like, this is what fully breathing feels like. And half the time you're not doing it. You've learned this awkward way of always holding your breath, you know, always giving half self to anything. Definitely. We hold a lot of tension mm -hmm. in our bodies too. And so like that's part of like the, the blockages like mm -hmm. in meditation, like one of the most common anchors that we're mm -hmm. taught like as beginner meditators is a body scan. Okay. So you start your meditative practice just becoming aware, like shining that flashlight of mindfulness on your body from toe to the tip of your head. Okay. Um, and that anchor or that body scan process, sort of the visualization that accompanies that is like the movement of breath through all of those places in which there's tension. Okay. So you shine that flashlight of mindfulness in order to identify where am I holding? Mm -hmm. That way you can consciously breathe into it and expand it and allow it to release. Okay. Okay. So poetry, how did the gift unwrap itself into your life? Like, how did you discover poetry? Oh, we're just going to get really intimate and really <laughs> vulnerable really fast. It's such a simple question, but it's actually like a really sensitive place for me. Mm -hmm. um, I've always been a writer. Okay. My whole life, that was always my most innate gift. Like, ever since I was, like, in elementary school, like, people would be like, she's going to grow up and, like, write a novel. Okay. Like, she's going to write a book. Like, because I was just, I was very conversational, mm -hmm. very young. Like, I could speak, like, clear, coherent, like, conversations with adults at 18 months. Okay. Like, I had just a very clear articulation. Okay. And... I would write a lot as a child, like, stories. Like, mm -hmm. I was always, like, very narrative. I read a lot of books, too. Like, I was very mm -hmm. privileged to be literate. Okay. And I was really, like, a loner. And I wasn't, like... I just preferred the company of, like, fictional characters and, like, real people. Okay. And so I would read a lot of books. And, like, if I didn't have a story that was like capturing me mm -hmm. and cradling me mm -hmm. then I would like create my own stories and so like I remember like as a kid whenever I was forced to break out of a book okay. for any reason whether it's because I had to walk down the hallway to my next class or like mm -hmm. I'm in the car and I have like car sickness because I've been trying to like sit here and read this book like in a moving car yeah. or like whatever like I would start like narrating like the world around me mm -hmm. but like in my head and then like, I remember being, like, in, like, kindergarten and, like, writing stories on my closet door. Okay. <laughs> like, how kids, like, draw on the wall and stuff. Yeah. I would have, like, color pencils and I would, like, write stories, like, on my wall. I would write short stories. Like, I would write songs. Okay. Like, I would just, my whole life, like, I was always just, like, with my nose in a book. And if I wasn't reading, I was writing but I never really, like, shared anything with people. I was the kind of person that, like, I was a really artistic kid, but I wasn't 
I didn't grow up in an environment where my art, like my artistic or my creative side, it wasn't nourished. It wasn't encouraged. Like okay. I wasn't encouraged to be emotional. I wasn't encouraged to be expressive. I was okay. encouraged to like, like I basically, my coping mechanism of being extremely emotional because I am extremely emotional was to like bottle all that in. And then the only outlet was like through these little art pieces that I would do, whether it was visual or if it was writing and then I would just throw it away. Okay. Because I wouldn't want anybody to see it. Mm-hmm. So I would let it out and then I would get rid of it before anybody else could find mm-hmm. it. And I used to get in trouble sometimes too, like like for my art, like because people just didn't they were uncomfortable with the things that I was expressing. Mm-hmm. And so like that was part of like what repressed it is because like I was like, it's not safe for me to express these things. So I'm gonna just make this little art piece and then I'm gonna like trash it, get rid of it before anybody finds it so I don't get in trouble for mm. like like vocalizing how I feel Mm -hmm. because how I feel wasn't respected which is a common theme for like a lot most children like children's opinions are not really like respected but I was a really articulate kid so I was like super um, vocal and people didn't like that so it made me really quiet Um, I was really vocal when I was really young and then it made me really quiet when looking at the size of our island there is somewhat a large Hawaii poetry community However, you have been incredibly successful with being in the community without being part of the community. <laughs> I did the same thing with her to say. I do that with every community I'm a part of. <laughs> Basically, saving yourself from a lot of the drama, okay? That's me. How and when did you learn the importance of cultivating this kind of sanity for yourself? When I was 12 years old. Okay. When I was 12 years old, I I went to a different elementary school, middle school, and high school, all in completely different cities. Okay. Um, all in the same county, like in the general vicinity, but okay. it was just really different environments, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. different places I went to school. Um, my elementary school experience was really bad. I got kicked out of my school. Um because of basically like drama like it was just um it was difficult I was in a private school I was like you know the poor brown kid that like didn't really like belong quote unquote like Mm -hmm. I didn't have like the other things like I wasn't there for the same reasons that other people was there Mm -hmm. and that was like very obvious to even the staff so like nobody wanted me there and even the adults wouldn't protect me from the violence Okay. Um, because like I just wasn't welcome. Like I didn't meet the credentials or like whatever it was to be like a part of this like community of people. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember like transitioning into middle school. Like everybody wanted to be my friend. Okay. Everybody wanted to be my friend. They're like, "You're so pretty." Like whatever, whatever. Like it was like actually like. It was, like, the mean girls kind of wanted to be my friend. Like, the quote-unquote, like, popular girls, I guess. And, like, they kind of recruited me to, like, their clique or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then I just kind of realized, like, I don't know what it was, like, what the trigger was. But I just felt, like, relationships. Like, I felt like all the relationships around me were, like, really superficial. I felt like I could only build real bonds with other loners. So I, like, voluntarily kind of, like, ostracized myself. Okay. Because I was, like, 
I don't really like care about these people's opinions. Like, mm-hmm. like I don't know. Everybody always just trying to come for somebody's neck. I mean, that's just like, and it's. I mean, it is part of a reflection of the environments that I was in, but it's also just a reflection of humans in general. Like when yes. we like in our, it's just when our social conflicts. Like it's just part of our nature, and like. I don't know, there were just so many things, like, I just didn't feel like talking to people was, like, productive for me, especially because I went to school, in middle school, I was going to school, like, an hour away from where I lived, Mm -hmm. and so it was, like, I couldn't, like, really hang out with people, like, outside of school, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. so, like, and all of those kids, like, lived in the same neighborhood, and they all, like, walked to school, and it was, like, very, like, internal, like, they had all grown up together, And, like, I just didn't feel like I was getting anything out of trying to socialize with these people that I didn't relate to. Like, I, I'm growing up in, like, a totally different context mm-hmm. than, than them. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's no, like, room for bonding out beyond, like, the superficial level of, like, small talk in the classroom or, like, okay. at a lunch table or, like, in the hallway. And, like, I don't know. I think, ultimately, I just wanted to read books. Like, sure. that could be why, like... <laughs> I mean, I don't know what the driving force was. Like, I just was never with people's shit. Like, even as, like, small kid, an elementary yeah. school kid, I was, like, always the kid that, like, everybody was just annoyed with because I was always calling adults out on their shit because I was so perceptive. Like, okay. from an early age, I was just super perceptive and observant. And, like, I think that's why people tried so hard to shut me up. It was because, <laughs> like, I would call people out on their shit. And, like, yeah. I was, like, that kid that is, like, going to get you busted because I had a big-ass mouth. Are you ready for the second poem? Yeah. <laughs> Since you have no favorites. <laughs> I, I can I can whip one out. I can... A favored poem I can offer you. Okay, let's do this. If I stare long enough, the walls begin to move. The floor dances beneath me like waves lapping the ocean and I float away into the abyss of my self-made insanity when the corners start to bleed. I like it better in the fluid. Dark and warm, the trademarks of a woman's magic. So if God is a woman, This must be something like Christ consciousness. All this slurry sweetening into syrup by the second. They tried to tell me I need insulin. Since I keep slipping away with my cerebral into the depths of my many undoings, but the ghost of my great grandma says they fear God so much that they will not recognize her when she stirs them into waking, so I refuse the poison-induced sleep. Despite knowing that fear can burrow deep into the marrow of your bones and steal the serenity from your dreams, so dreams are not always restful. Dreams can keep you up at night and distracted in the daylight. Did you know your subconscious doesn't truly sleep? Which is why 
We send our traumas there to hide in plain sight, voided into our blind spots where the noise has turned to white, but static always has a sound. An echo at the least, but that calling turns to gnawing when the spirits are left longing. Are you considered lost if you're stuck running in circles? Or is it rather the road less traveled that is accused of havoc for lack of direction at the inception of a journey at a starting place of one's own choice, no predestined stresses boldly blazing forward into the darkness with fervor like the fire can keep us alive against the demons and the capitalists. My father said, pills they gave him made him want to stare at the wall all day said they drove him crazy thinking he was crazy decided his crazy don't need their fixing refused to live life like a zombie i stare at the wall sober searching for an answer hoping I can synthesize stability through my serenity if I can just slip past my cerebral and stitch my eyes with silk, smooth out the corners and let the fluid feed me all the holy mother's milk, riding the rising and falling of my tides with divine grace as my anchor. You just keep coming out with the good stuff, don't you? That's pretty much the name of the game. <laughs> You're such a compassionate being who, by the way, gives awesome hugs. <laughs> Each time I see you, I feel the mastery you possess over your energy and the dissemination thereof. Like, are you in continuous awareness and practice of your energy and how you're sharing it with other people? I do my best to be as mindful as possible. I'm still human. I still have conditioned psychological responses yes. that I default into. Mm -hmm. I still have an ego. I still have an autopilot mode. Okay. I still have defense mechanisms. Mm -hmm. I still have a lot of things that filter my relationship with what is outside of my physical vessel. But my the mastery I have over my energy is dependent on a day-to-day -day basis of where mm -hmm. I'm at with my relationship to the divine okay right because the divine is interwoven in everything mm -hmm. i is you you is i we is everything everything mm -hmm. is everything yeah when i'm consistent in my ceremonies in my rituals in lifestyle choices that are reverent and okay. that make a conscious space to observe yeah. that force and invest in my relationship to it. Yeah. Like the more 
consistent I am with that on a daily basis or leading up to whatever moment you're interacting with me is going to determine how present I'm being in that space and how present I'm being in that space is what determines the mastery that I have mm. over my existence. But there's still the flip side of that, right? Like there's still the flip side that's like shaking and panicking and like like boiling over and has no control over these physical yeah. symptoms of this reactivity that I've developed to a certain trigger. Okay. Um, or like even to the extent of me being mildly anxious and speaking from a place where my mind is not completely synchronized Mm -hmm. with my mouth. And it's more like my mind is a couple steps ahead and I'm already thinking about what I'm going to say next before, like, while my mouth is saying something else. And so thereby I'm still slightly detached from this moment yeah and yeah. so i'm still kind of like getting ahead of myself and still yeah. more likely to stumble yeah. more likely to trip more likely to make a mistake to have an undesired outcome yes you see me mostly in poetic spaces so i do invest before i go to a show because i can't just like get off of work and just get in the car and go to a show me too like i'll lose my shit i have to go home i have to like do my best to detox myself of everything that happened, process everything that happened in the day, mm-hmm. and like clear the air mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that I can call forth what it is that needs to be channeled in my piece. Okay. Instead of performing for an audience. Mm. Because if I'm detached from that energy source, that source energy from which the messages flow, okay. then I'm just reciting a poem that I memorized or I'm just mm. saying words that I memorized, okay. which is the same as like, like in school, you know, there's a difference between like really learning something and like memorizing the answers for the test. Um, South Africans call it cram, pass, forget. Mm. So you cram the information, you pass the test and you forget it. Yeah. That's basically... <laughs> I feel like poetry can take the same form in a lot of ways and mm-hmm. that's when it becomes like more performative yeah, and more surface mm-hmm. and it's more difficult in that space of like purely intellectualized delivery. Mm-hmm. It creates like that barrier between you and like the rest of the energy in the space so your audience members like even the blank space that's not occupying like a human form Mm -hmm. like I just don't feel powerful when I'm I don't feel masterful and I don't feel powerful when I'm not in those ritual spaces Mm -hmm. and so like it really just depends on where you catch me in my journey like recently I've been kind of like I've been running a lot and so I've stagnated, which is why I need to initiate a change in my physical realm to get the momentum going so that I can recenter myself in that relationship with that which is divine. Mm-hmm. But even like throughout this whole podcast, like I've been tripping about like, am I being relevant? Yeah. Am I actually saying something that has potency or is of value? Yeah. Because I'm still in that space of like I'm operating in my day to day as of the past few weeks maybe like the past like two months or so yeah where I've been very um 
I've been running from that relationship because there was things that I didn't want to pay attention to and I didn't want to look at and it was yeah. just easier and more comfortable to use the the worldly things to like distract myself from it. Yeah. And so I like when I'm in that space I'm not I'm consumed by my own internal chatter. Yeah. I'm not yeah. being as sensitive to my context, which is the difference between like mastery and autopilot for me is that like okay. when I'm so like when I'm absorbed, when my entire consciousness is absorbed by my own internal chatter, then I'm just in autopilot mm-hmm. and I'm just responding based upon like my conditioned psychological responses, mm-hmm. um, that which is left of them that I haven't overwritten or that I cannot consciously override in that moment because mm-hmm. of a lack of awareness. But when I'm really masterful, I'm void of self. Mm. I'm the most masterful when I'm void of self. When I'm more of a witness, more of an observer. Mm-hmm. So speaking of you just being in your perfect element and your zone... I'm remembering 2018 Hawaii Grand Slam. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the first time I met you. Because obviously you performed, in order to qualify for that, you had previously performed at Hawaiian Brian's for something else. And I just remember thinking to myself, man, trying. (laughs) Like, I was in the competition at the time, that I was like, okay, she can win. I'm, I'm good. Like, if she wins, competition can end, and we can all go home. <laughs> and it was that one poem, which was like, which is still my favorite poem, which I've, by the way, never seen you perform it anywhere else. I never performed it again. That was oh, the only time I've the ever times performed it. That I've seen. I was like, what the hell is going on? Did I dream that? Did it happen? Or did it not I happen? I lost it. I told you. I lost it. I forgot. I wrote it and then I memorized it and then I forgot it and I lost the paper. (laughs) You gotta type, girl. Type. I mean, this is the 20, what, first century? Girl, you know I don't fuck with that blue light, electromagnetic (laughs) radiation, EMF frequency, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Nah, I'm just an old ass lady and I don't know how to use technology. I do. I know how to type. just give that excuse whenever people are like um why are you not using your phone why are you not using your social media because i would rather look at a tree than a screen fair enough you get more oxygen that way yeah, i believe and i mean technically a notebook is a tree so <laughs> there you go oh okay so i'm excited to have you share this one favorite poem of mine by you with the jwm family are you ready I'm gonna get (laughs) (laughs) my mind no longer belongs to me it has been ransacked by the projections of others repressed emotions and necessity to manipulate a situation to establish a position of power as an attempt to reconcile with their own inferiority complex of realized. Insecurity 
has been socialized into me, I've realized this world will do anything in its power to drain me of mine. Ain't it scary? Mama said 20 plus years of pediatrics and she ain't never seen no child walk around with so much sense of self. So came the prunings. So came the fists when nothing else would knock me down down i have fought to keep the woman you see before you alive to see womanhood how dare you infantilize me how dare you bend your tongue to cut my corners and treat my testimony like child's play this stage is an altar this stage is where every demon that's ever brought us to our knees is sacrificed in the dawn of the stage light. Fuck your opinion. My liberation ain't dependent on your validation. The point is the poetry, not the points. The point is the people, not the public. This is not a human zoo. This is where we learn that you have to humanize others if you want them to humanize you. Slam is the contact sport of empathy. Writing is the space where we excavate our layers to find the God in ourselves. And this microphone is where we sing our praises, where our pain and trauma is purified into our transcendence. So remove your shoes, bow your head, fold your hands to clap, snap, and stomp in response to every fearless soul that bears itself naked before you in the name of freedom and let the relationship between our lips and your palms be the love that binds us together as we purge every unforgiving evil that ever tore us apart because this is what it means to be fully human. That is by far my most favorite poem. Like, it's brought my mood up. I'm like, yeah. Me too. I think yes. we should have started with that one. <laughs> that would have been a great stepping stone for a stepping stone. Set the energy right. What inspired that poem? Fuck. I don't even know. What did inspire that poem? I was insecure. That's okay. why. I mean, I'll talk about it in the beginning. Like, I was coming up on... My first Grand Slam in Hawaii, like my the end of my first season in Hawaii, which was my second season ever. Okay. And like, I was having a hard time adjusting to the adult slam world, not having mentorship, not having okay. structure, um, learning how to carry myself as an artist, learning how to like read the room, understand the game. You do that so well though. You just, oh, whenever yes. I'm in the <laughs> audience and I'm watching you, you can tell the difference between people who've learned lines and people who are trying to cultivate a certain energy mm. and spread it into the room. There's a big difference. Mm. You can tell. 
I appreciate that. Yeah, I, 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 I do my, I have done my best in every performance that I have done, and I'm, I'm, I want to give more attention to that process and to okay. like cultivating that and making sure that happens, um, in and is delivered even more powerfully. So it's it's good to know that even with what I'm doing now. I'm making an impact because that just tells me that I have so much farther that I can take it because I already know what I need to be doing like in addition to what I've done in order to like excel so that's empowering so thank you for saying that um I think I was like in a space where it was like you know I could really use this this Grand Slam money yes (laughs) but also we can always use some Grand Slam money it's Hawaii exactly but I mean I wasn't, like, I don't compete. Like, I participate in quote-unquote competitions, but I don't compete. I'm not a competitive poet. Um, mm-hmm. That's not really, like, I don't even consider myself, like, a slam poet. Like, that's not really what, like, I don't, yeah, that's not my, I don't operate in that kind you. of a psychology or headspace. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of just, like, thinking or contemplating, like, maybe yearning a little bit for like the safety that heard him say gave me and like just reflecting on how much of a privilege that was to like have Mm -hmm. experienced a space like that as Mm -hmm. a poet and what that's done for my understanding of myself as an artist and my art and um what really has been like the found or the driving force that has like kept me going in the absence of that like Mm -hmm. everything that I was gifted and given through that experience so I mean that poem was kind of just a reflection of that like Mm -hmm. like being immersed in the adult slam world seeing all the like politics the drama the conflicts and just like really struggling with like my place in it and understanding like you know where the alignment was and like what I had to offer the space from my contrasting experiences Mm -hmm. And so it kind of, I mean, the whole poem, I wrote it in one sitting. It just came to me randomly. I think I was, like, laying in my bed for two days straight, and I was like, I'm going to write another poem. And it just kind of came out, like, I think I was, like, maybe nervous about practicing for the slam because, like, I was like, is it even worth it? Like, do I even enjoy doing this? Like, whatever. So I was just reflecting on, like, what does poetry mean to me? Like, why do Mm -hmm. I do this? Because, like, this is my second Grand Slam ever, and it's the first Grand Slam I've actually even competed in because my first grand slam I sacked and you know I was worried I mean I thought I was insecure like you know when I was doing heard him say that I went into the adult slam world and I was like fuck we're our worst critics so it was just trying to understand like you know like what are the things that make me insecure because like I mean yeah I was still insecure and heard him say but a lot of my insecurities were still with myself and like when I realized when I what I realized in the adult slam world was that a lot of my insecurities became about like other people and what other people thought about me mm. or like because I didn't feel the same intimacy that I felt with her and I'm saying because we spent every single weekend together of the entire six month season Saturday and Sunday from 1 to 5 p.m. Mm-hmm. like you know deconstructing traumas together and our mm-hmm. leadership and our mentorship was really really adamant about how they curated the safety of that space for the youth. and so like that was like it was just really intimate and so like being removed from that intimate space like I already have trust issues to begin with and even I heard him say they were like prime me open with a crowbar 
trying to get me to like share my experiences and to yeah, be vulnerable yeah. so that I could like unleash the power that like I they like saw in me innately. And so yeah, like going into the adult slam world like shut me down a lot because like even like the context of the spaces like Hawaiian brands you're on a stage like it was a lot the, the biggest space I've ever performed in and it's like the crowd is in rows and it's like it's just like a couple of hundred lights. people yeah, yeah. there's like a lot of really bright lights on you and like so it was just like trying to like understand like how do I communicate like how intimate this art form is to me so that other people who are receiving me understand like where I stand and I started that slam with that poem like that was like what I wanted to go into it with was kind of like you know what like this is why I'm doing this just so you know because this is a grand slam and like people have a lot of like um you know people are just they have a lot of motives a lot of intentions this is mine just to be transparent like this is what this means to me this is why I do this yeah what do you want to be remembered for? What like, the hell kind of question is that? <laughs> I always ask it. I'm like, what do you want to be known for? When people think about you and they speak of you, what is it that you're Were trying... Were you supposed to ask me about my hiatuses and how much I avoid people knowing who I am? Like, I thought that was a predetermined, like, subject and you asking me what I want to be remembered for. Girl, I don't want people to know who I am. <laughs> no. Like, how many times have I stopped this podcast to be like, yo, we can't say that. We're going to cut that out. Like, don't tell people that about me. God. Damn. Um, I just wanted to, like, be remembered the way that my Tita G was remembered when she died. She passed away, like, three years ago. And that event, like, that life event has completely directed the entire course of everything that I do in my life from the work that I do my I know work my community mm-hmm. work mm-hmm. my poetry like that relationship informs everything that I am and it was vital when she was with us in this realm and it's vital every moment going forward mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but her celebration of life was the most spiritually transformative experience I've ever had in my life okay and I remember just like I always knew that like we were just alike Mm -hmm. and that I was more alike her than anybody else in my life Mm -hmm. but I wasn't like oh I want to be remembered just like my Tita G like I want to be just like my Tita G like it was Mm -hmm. never like that we were just very similar and Mm -hmm. like we just understood each other in ways that other people could not when she passed that's like that was the most like overwhelming or um the most like potent experience for me of like this is how i want to live my life Mm -hmm. because of the way that she was honored and the way that she continues to be honored and everything that i have Mm -hmm. is because her legacy is so rich that people feel that caring for me is honoring her and the things that she gave to Mm. them in her lifetime everything everything that i have my job my poetry like i wouldn't be where i'm at if it wasn't for her legacy and me being an extension of her and like the um like the torch bear like Mm -hmm. the the going forward you know into the future of everything that she started like, mm-hmm. it's my kuleana to, like, carry that forward. And so, 
just the words that people shared, the ceremonies, the reverence, the music, the dancing, the, even the spirits and mm. the natural, the rain and the wind and the way that the ocean and yeah. the trees, like everything responded to our gathering around this collective morning. Yeah. Transformed me because every other person I had lost in my life or every other death I had been exposed to was so morbid. Okay. And like so like just like depressing. Mm-hmm. Like it, like just so existentially like dreadful. Yeah. Like just left me with so much existential dread and so much like oh my god, like life is pointless. <laughs> like there's so much tragedy. Uh yeah. and like while losing my auntie was probably one of the most painful separations mm-hmm. I've gone through. It was like the most beautiful thing like the way that she was revered and the way yeah. that she was honored and the things that she was remembered for her mm-hmm. her her what did they call that i heard someone say her timeless wisdom or her like her um she just had this like wisdom that was like way beyond her years and she yeah. had this very gentle compassion that was so like graceful and almost like effortless and those were the things that people continue to this day to remember about her and the what du- the duality of being that but being so tough yeah and being so like just being so resilient mm-hmm. and being so like unshakable and mm-hmm. being so like you know so those are like those are the things that like I want to be remembered for and it's not even like the things or like the concepts or it's not like oh these are the things I want people to say about me but just the way that like there are people that like she was friends with for years that I never had the opportunity to meet before and I get introduced to them in a public space and they take one look at me and bust out in tears and start Mm -hmm. crying and just embrace me and they're just so grateful yeah so it's not so much about like how do I want to be remembered? It's just about like, what is the impact I want to leave? Mm. I just want to love the way that she loved and lead the way that she led. And like, if people remember me positively for that or negatively for that, because there are people who like remember her very negatively because of like whatever their relationship evolved as or like whatever, you know, people have their opinions. People will always have opinions. Like it doesn't matter what you do. Like there are people that will like you and people that won't like you. To love in the way that she was, to love in the way that she loved is like my ultimate objective with everything I do. Thank you so much for sharing your beautiful light energy and a phenomenal forward to observing the continuous bloom of your energy field, to being entranced with and taken on beautiful poetic journeys. I adore and appreciate you incredibly. Feelings are true. Well, there you have it, JWM family. That was Poetry Easy. Her Instagram link is in our episode notes, so kindly click on that, follow her. I'm sure she'd love to hear from you. 
Next week is episode 20. We will be breaking down what it means to be moving on to the next season, what exciting things to look forward to, just some announcements. We're on TikTok, we're on Facebook groups now. It's a lot of exciting stuff and I cannot wait to share more exciting things that are coming up in the next episode. Until then, makhulukwe, kyeutaba, ribuile, aloha.